All right, this is exciting. It's my first, uh, my first one in English. I hope it blesses you. Um, this is inspired for Mother's Day. I was, uh, I had the privilege of preaching for Mother's Day. However, um, what I'm teaching today, in no way am I trying to correct somebody's parenting. In no way am I saying I know more than you because it's easy to say and it's easy to come off that way, especially when you're not a father, you're not a parent, or you don't have children. But I am teaching from the perspective of a son. I've seen the way my parents have trained me in the ways of God. I've seen how they've raised me in comparison to a lot of other parents. Um, I am out of my whole generation uh, of youth. I can count on one hand how many of us are still serving the Lord and thinking right now I can count two, three, I'm sorry, three from our, our old youth group, just three of them. And it so happens that all three of us are pastor's kids. Something's not being done right. Something's wrong. If your child did not grow up having this respect for the house of God having this respect for the faith or isn't isn't even serving Christ. I question if you've succeeded or if you failed in raising your child um, and raising your kids. There, there's no way I, I would hate to come to um, the end of my years and serve God and lose my children. That would be the absolute worst thing that could happen. Now, yes, I understand, you know, there may be the situation of the prodigal son. However, most of these kids that I've seen that I grew up with, there's no way they're coming back to church. One of the things that I saw, and before I even get into the scripture, I want to talk about this. Because I, I, since I can remember, my parents, we never left church talking bad about the church. We never left the church service talking bad about Oh, I hated the way the pastor preached today. I hated the way the songs were. Did you see he or she? They didn't say hi. Did you see what, what they were wearing? Did you see? And it, it's really sad because that spirit is very much well and alive in so many churches today. However, in my family, I can remember that that was a point that we never talked about about the church service. We're not dumb. We're not idiots. We know there's a lot of things wrong. However, we always focused on the good stuff. Did you see how many people were at church today? Wow, praise God, we're growing. That's awesome. Did you see the worship? So-and-so was on their knees. They were crying. They were crying out to God. I'm glad that ministered to her. Never once did we ever talk about all the things that were wrong with the church service. And and one of the problems that I see in, in so many families is that when the child or the parent talk bad, not only about the church, but the church leadership and the pastors, that trickles down into the sons and daughters, the children. They start to lose respect for not only the leadership, but for the house of God. Not only for the house of God, but they start to lose respect for God himself. However, it's so interesting to me that at the end of the day, 100% of them believe that they are going to heaven. 100% of them believe that they have a relationship with God. How can you have a relationship with a God that, number one, you don't respect? You don't respect his house and you don't respect the people that are put in those positions to to pray for you, to to guide you. However, today, I, that's not what I want to focus on. I kind of went off on a rant there, but um, I want to talk about uh, purpose. 
um, and and it's it's geared yes towards parents but also children in the same sense um, like I said this is from a perspective of a child of a son I'm not a father I don't have children however I do have a father and I am a son so I've seen things from my perspective that I know that actually work that they're not just theory but they work I see them in the Bible I see them lived out through my parents through my father and through my mother so um, John chapter 2 John chapter 2 I'm reading the ESV it's the waiting it's it's the the wedding the the wedding miracle that Jesus uh, everybody so famously knows it as um, turned water into wine and the biggest excuse to drink but there's something very very interesting here it says on the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there that's very important the mother of Jesus was there Jesus was also invited uh, to the wedding with his disciples when the wine ran out the mother of Jesus said to him they have no wine and Jesus replied Jesus said to her woman what does this have to do with me that's a very interesting question my hour has not yet come so then this last verse it says his mother said to the servants do whatever he tells you it's so interesting because whenever i think about jesus can you imagine the big responsibility that mary had to train up jesus and his purpose to remind him of his purpose every single day but not only that but to train him up and make sure that he would fulfill his purpose and reach his destiny imagine if jesus never died for us on the cross we would never be here we would never have a way uh we would never have redemption we would have we would never have a way to get into heaven how would that happen so it's a big responsibility that mary's facing here but what's so important about this and i want to point out is that when they run out of wine mary runs to jesus why does mary run to jesus obviously jesus has done miracles in the past she knows who jesus is he's god himself so who else does she run to her son because up until this point she knows uh my son has special abilities um there's power in my son my son is god himself so who am i going to run to because they have no wine jesus however jesus replies with a question what does this number one have to do with me and the number two he says my hour has not yet come my time has not yet come now that's so important to me because number one jesus understood his purpose for which he was here on earth for he said my hour has not yet come this speaks of someone who was very clear had a clear vision of where he was going in life this is somebody who had a clear vision of who he was and where he was headed and i think so many people so many young people they have no identity at all i can't tell you how many kids that i see that they will dress like a uh, California person with uh, you know shorts and a tank top or whatever one day the next day they dress like a cowboy person um, a cowboy person a cowboy uh, westerner um, and then the next day you know they're dressed in, in hoodies and and sweatpants I mean they have absolutely no identity not that identity comes from clothing but when they dress the way they dress they put on this different identity and then the way they talk completely changes according to who they are with they're, they have no identity. When you have no identity, you have no idea where you're going. And when you have no idea where you're going, it's very clear that you don't know what your purpose in life is. Jesus understood this. So Jesus says, 
he asks the question, what does this have to do with me? This has absolutely nothing to do with my purpose for which I am here. And then Mary responds, not saying anything to him, but says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Why is this so important? This is so important because even Mary, being the mother of Jesus, decided not to interfere with the purpose for which her child was here on earth for. There are so many parents that interfere with their children's purpose. I've met so many young people that have a calling from God, that have a desire to to serve God. However, the biggest obstacle isn't the devil. The biggest obstacle isn't finances. The biggest obstacle, unfortunately, are parents. I'll tell you guys a quick story. I remember when, um, uh, when I graduated, I wanted to go to Bible school. And the first people that said no were my parents. Them being pastors, imagine that. They said no. At the moment, they didn't understand. They had no idea why they, we weren't on the same page. And I said, I have a calling from God. Therefore, I'm going to, um, to Bible school. They said, no, how about, you know, you get a career first, make some money. And then with the money you make, you can go to Bible school. It sounded great. It sounded smart. It sounded wise. However, that was not God's plan or purpose for my life. I knew what my plan I knew what God's plan and his purpose for my life was since I was a child. So I said, absolutely not. I said, I'm going to Bible school. How are you going to pay for it? I said, I don't know. If God wants me there, he's going to provide somehow. And I'll tell you something. I wasn't there for one year, two years. I was actually there for four years. They made fun of me because I was there for four years. You're only supposed to be there for three years. But I was there for an extra year. It was fine. How did I pay for that? I have no idea. To this day, I have no idea. My dad was making very good money. And somewhere, I think after the first semester, um, he decided to go into full-time ministry. The Lord called him into full-time ministry. He went from making $80,000 a year to not even $20,000 a year. And on top of that, he had a house payment, uh, car payment, all that craziness. So how did God provide? Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. I know it was supernatural, though. Why? Because I understood the purpose. So after um, some conversations with my parents, they understood, hey, we cannot interfere with the purposes and the desires that God has put in the heart of our son. And there are so many parents that I've talked to that the first thing they think about is money. God is not worried about money. The Bible says that he is the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the silver, all the gold in the world. Money is nothing to him. However, it becomes a problem when we don't know scripture and we don't realize that money is not a problem to God. And that's why so many parents first think about the money. How are you going to make money? How are you going to live? What is this good for? What do you mean? What is this good for? You are working to you're going to a Bible school that teaches you about the word of God. Not only that, but how you can use that in your career or wherever it may be. You don't have to have a calling, a specific calling into ministry to go to Bible school. All of us have a general calling and that calling is known as the Great Commission to reach the unsaved, to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. I, I, sometimes I struggle with uh, some arguments that parents put out there, but back to what I was saying. Mary doesn't stand in the way of the purposes of Jesus. Jesus says, what does this have to do with me? You have to understand that a need doesn't constitute a calling. Just because there's a need doesn't mean that you're called to it. 
just because you can do it doesn't mean that you're supposed to do it. You have to understand the differences between you have to understand the difference between a talent and between a calling. I've met so many people in life that they have a great talents. They have great talent, but that's not their calling. I know people who are called to be pastors that they are wanting to travel the world and become famous musicians or famous worship leaders, which number one, being trying to become famous, your heart's not even in the right place. Secondly, you're confusing your talent with your calling. And I've met so many musicians, I'm sorry, so many pastors that you weren't called to be a pastor. You were called to be a businessman. You were called to be a worship leader. You're not, so what are you doing being a pastor? There was a moment in time in the Latino church where almost every single worship leader became a pastor. I'm like, what are these guys doing? I was young and even I knew you're not supposed to be a pastor, man. You need to keep leading worship. And a lot of these ministries, they just ended up going downhill. Nobody knows who they are anymore. They're not even relevant anymore. Why? Because they confuse their talent with their calling. Yes, they may be able to preach. That doesn't mean that there's that that is their calling. So you have to understand that. And parents have to understand too. You cannot stand in the way of the purposes of God with your children. Um, there are so many parents that will also it's it's they will make an excuse for their children because they don't understand the difference between character and personality or character flaws and personality. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Romans says that those who are guided by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, are children of God. So we become children of God because the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us. In Galatians chapter 5, the Bible talks about the nine expressions about the fruit of the Spirit. And whenever you study the fruit of the Spirit, you come to find out that this has everything to do with character. You cannot confuse character with personality. And I've met so many parents that they make excuses for their children because they don't know how to distinguish the difference between their personality and their lack of character. Well, you know, my son, he's just he's just like that. He um ever since he was a child, he was he was very much um an explorer ever since he was a child he was very much a dreamer ever since he was a child ever since she was a child she was very much a uh, a creator no your child just lacks discipline that's that's what it is and so um when you don't understand the difference between character and personality you're going to have a hard time raising your child in the ways of god i remember my parents would tell me my dad especially would tell me i know what your personality is like However, your character is terrible. You have no discipline. This is the way he would talk to me at home. He would tell me things to my face. I know, it, it, you know, it's really interesting because at my church, there's a lot of people that believe that. Uh, and I think for a lot of people, for a lot of pastors' kids, they believe that pastors are, they go very easy on their children. However, this isn't the case for many pastors that I've met and many pastors' kids that I know of, especially in my case. Um, with my brother and my sister as well. Um, my dad was very much up front. And so I remember he would say, you lack discipline. You're not going to get anywhere with that lack of discipline. I remember one time he said, <laughs> I remember one time he said, he said, if you were in ministry right now, and if you were not my son, and you were in ministry, he said, I wouldn't have any mercy on you. You would have already been fired. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> thank God I wasn't in ministry. Thank God I wasn't serving. He's, and I said, why? He said, because you have no discipline. You, you start something and you don't finish it. And I think uh, over the years, thank God, I've been able to find out that, you know, that is very true. So therefore, I have to be careful with the things that I start. And so what begins to happen is um, the parents will sometimes not only become the obstacle for children to uh, reach their calling, but they also become enablers for their children to continue in the sinful lifestyle that they live in. Um, you have over spiritual parents that, well, you know, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to be fasting for my child. The Bible says that, um, let me look it up actually. In Proverbs chapter 16, Verse 6. I got it in Spanish. It says, Con misericordia y verdad se corrige el pecado, y con el temor de Jehová los hombres se apartan del mal. Let me look it up here uh, in English really quick. Because I don't know how to, I'm, I'm not a good translator. I don't know how to translate it. Okay. Okay, in mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, for sin. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. How do you handle sin? How do you handle this? With mercy and with truth. That's how you take care of sin. Um, we, I, I say we, but parents focus way too much on the mercy part. There's truth. You have to confront sin. Nobody's going to stop sinning just because. You have to confront sin. Sin has to be confronted. You can't make an excuse for the way your child's living. You can't make an excuse for the way any person's living. There has to be some sort of confrontation. And you talk to the person. Man, if your daughter's bringing home a guy, uh, come on, it's your house. If your son's bringing home some girl, it's your house. Set some rules. Have some confrontation. I would never, ever do that. Even in my most sinful days would I ever dare to do that at my parents' house. Why? Because there was fear. Because my father, my mother, they did not care that we were the pastor's kids. They did not care that they were the pastors. They did not care to be embarrassed. They cared more about us being right with God. And that's what's need to, what needs to happen. Secondly, there are parents that um, want to live their dream through their children. Or not only their dream, but their fears through their children. You know, I, I remember growing up in youth group and there was um, this brother and sister who th their parents, um, they would always say, my children are going to be doctors or engineers or whatever it is. And at first I thought that was cool. That was a good desire that they would have for their children. Then later I found out the reason for that was because <laughs> they would later say, I want them to be doctors and engineers and whatever they ended up having like three or four kids i can't remember but they wanted all of them to be doctors and engineers because they said they're going to get us out of poverty so they would be so strict on their children they would be very strict on them going to school going to college all that stuff 
until one day that thing just broke. And I remember my parents would say, hey, go easy on your children. Can't do that. You can't be trying to live your dream or your fears or your desires through your children. You train them up in the ways of the Lord and then let them decide. You can't you can't keep you can't keep doing that. One day they're going to snap. And sure enough, they snapped. They don't serve God. Um, they didn't become doctors and lawyers at all. Check this out. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse six. It says, train up a child and the way he should go. And when he is old, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. I've read this so many times and for so long, I thought that this meant this means or meant train up a child in the ways of the Lord. That's not what it means. It says train up a child in the way he should go. In other words, in their purpose of life. You train a child, you direct, you guide a, a child in his or her purpose in life. Every child has a purpose in life. Every life has a purpose from God. So when you train this person, when you train children in their purpose of life for which they were created, they're not going to depart from it. Even when they're old, they won't depart from it. There's nothing better than having fulfillment of purpose. And this starts off by knowing who you are. When you have identity, when you know who you are in Christ, you know what your purpose is. Until then, you won't have any purpose. You're going to want to be and you're going to want to copy everybody on social media. You're going to want to copy all the famous uh, new singers or the famous new actors, actresses. You're going to want to be just like everybody else and you will have no authenticity. You'll have nothing genuine about yourself. And this is where a lot of personality like disorders I see with so many young people, especially the young people. Because you have young people that want to be someone, that want to be accepted, and they have no idea who they are in Christ. They're trying to find out who they are by looking to the wrong things. I know it sounds very cliche, but it's very true. If you want to find out what your purpose is in life, it starts off with knowing who you are in Christ first. Until you find out, until you learn, until you accept who you are in Christ, you're not going to know what your purpose is in life. And it's so interesting because in this in this journey of trying to find out who you are in Christ, you have a lot of children who then turn their back on, on their parents. It's like, oh, you know, my, it's my parents' fault that I'm here. It's nobody else's fault except your own. Everybody has the same opportunities. And you can make the same or you can make the same decisions as everybody else or you can make better decisions. Your decisions will give you a reward or will give you something that you wish you never had. It's not your parents' fault that you ended up the way that you are. It's your fault. There's a story about um, these um, these two brothers, and they were both they both grew up with a uh, a drunk dad. Would beat the mom, beat the mom so bad one day, um, the mom ended up dying. He ended up killing the mom. CPS came and took them away. They grew up. After that, separate for a few years. They were like 15 years old when the mom died. So three years, they lived somewhere else. Then they went off to college. One of them became a loving father, was always there, a faithful husband, ended up having his own business. The other one ended up becoming a drunk, living on the street, poor, broke, everything. When they interviewed these two brothers, they asked them, they said, what's the reason why both of you guys ended up different? And both of their reasoning was the same exact one. I grew up with a drunk dad that killed my mom when I was 15. 
they both had the same opportunities, the same chances, but both of them made different decisions. Your choices will dictate who you become in life. It's all over Proverbs. You you can't blame where you are in life on anybody else. You can't blame, you can't live the rest of your life blaming, oh, it's just my ex-husband or it's my ex-wife or, oh, it's my parents or it's my pastors or my old church, the way they treated me. It, it's, it's nobody's fault except your own where you end up in life. Ephesians chapter six and verse one through four, it's very interesting. I want to read this. It says, children obey your parents because Obey you, your parents in the Lord because this is the right thing to do. This is in the New Living Translation. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. You will have a long life on earth. The Bible doesn't say honor your father and your mother if they were good people. It doesn't say honor your father and your mother if they were there for your soccer games, if they were there at your recitals, if they were there for your tea parties with your imaginary friends. It doesn't say that at all. It says honor your father and mother, irregardless if they were good people or bad people. It says honor your father and your mother. Why? Because it's the first commandment with the promise, number one, and number two, so that things will go well for you and you'll have a long life on earth. There is a blessing in honoring your father and honoring your mother. How do you honor your father and your mother? It doesn't mean that you don't talk back to them. Honoring your father and your mother goes far beyond that. It means that you speak highly of them. It means that when you have the opportunity to talk bad about them, to slander their name, you don't do that. You don't do that with your best friends. You don't do that with your friends at all. You talk highly about your parents, about your father and your mother. There may be times of anger when you want to vent to someone. There may be times of frustration. However, normal people do not go around talking bad about their parents. I can't tell you how many times I've, I'm a youth pastor, so, so I talk to a lot of young kids. can't tell you how many times I'll be on the phone with some young person and they're not mad at their parents at the moment. There's nothing going on. They start telling me all the junk about their parents. I don't need to know that. I didn't even ask to know that. But this is a sign of people who don't know how to honor their father and their mother. Why? Because they slander them. Secondly, how do you honor your father and your mother? Bless them financially. Buy them something. Buy buy her flowers. Buy your dad some cologne. Buy them coffee. Whatever it may be. Without them even asking. Anytime you make excuses, well, you know, I I would, but uh, she never likes anything. My mom's very complicated in gifts. That's not one of her love languages. However, I know what kind of coffee she likes, and I know she loves ice cream, vanilla ice cream, so I'll go buy her a cone of ice cream. I'll buy her something. This is a way of honoring my mother. You buy them something. You give them money for Mother's Day, for Father's Day, or just randomly. I remember one time, this is very interesting. One time my mom went on vacation to El Salvador and while she was over there, the Lord put in her heart, said, give this money away to this pastor. So she gave away the last bit of money that she had. I think it was like, I don't know, like a hundred, two hundred dollars, gave it away. And the Lord told her, I'm going to bless you. Don't worry about it. I'm going to bless you. So she said, okay. So she came back. This is the short version. She came back. When she came back, um, I remember the day she was flying back, the Lord put in my heart, bless your mother with $300. 
I was like, man, that's a lot of money. But I said, okay, went to the bank, took out the $300. I put it on her bed and I said, hey, I just wanted to bless you. I wanted to honor your life. So when she came back, she opened the envelope. She was so happy. She gave me a hug, which almost never happens. Uh, My mom's not a very um, uh, affectionate person. (laughs) However, then she told me the whole story. She told me that the Lord told her that she was that he was going to bless her. But I never I didn't know. So even when you honor your father and your mother, God uses you to bless their lives. Another way to honor Well, I'll put it to you this way. If you want to truly understand what the word honor means, you have to understand what the word dishonor means. And the word dishonor means to treat as common. How do you treat your father? How do you treat your mother? Do you treat them as common people? Or do you treat them as uncommon people? You can't go around living life treating people according to how you feel. That's the most immature way to live. You can't go around saying hi to one person because today you like them. You don't say hi the next day because you don't like them. You can't go around wanting to make people feel bad because I don't like you today. You can't, you can't, that's a very immature way to live life. It's not Christ-like at all. You want to honor your father and your mother, treat them the same always. doesn't matter how you feel. doesn't matter that you're happy or mad at them, whatever it may be. You treat them the same. It's a way of honoring them. Because in doing so, you are, you will reap what the Bible says. Everything will go well for you and you're going to have a long life. That's the first commandment of 10 commandments is the first commandment with the promise. Verse four, it says, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Man, this is a tough one because it goes hand in hand. It says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. I've met a lot of parents that once they have the opportunity to talk bad about their children, they'll do it. They don't care. Oh, he's just lazy. Oh, she's just lazy. Oh, they're and 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 I'm not and I'm not contradicting what I said earlier about making excuses for them. No, there's there's a difference between speaking life and and speaking in faith about your children and being upfront. However, you don't go around making your children look bad. This is a way to provoke them to anger. It says rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Sometimes your children, what they need is a good slap. Sometimes what your children need is somebody to yell at them. That's what they need. They're not little babies anymore. As they grow, they can take it. And sin has to be confronted. I don't know why I keep going back to that. But anyways... Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with a discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Mary did this. She brought up Jesus and the instruction and in the discipline that comes from God. She didn't stand in the way and the purposes of God for her child. She understood what her child was capable of. However, she didn't say, I'm your mother. You need to listen to me. Turn that water into wine now. She did not. 
because she understood my son has a relationship with God. So if my son decides not to, then I'm going to believe that he's following the voice of God. It's unfortunate that we can't say that now. It's very unfortunate that when people speak of relationship, they speak that they have a relationship with God. And usually that consists of, I go to church on Sunday and Wednesday, if I have a Wednesday night service. That's really what it consists of. They don't even listen to worship music. They listen to more secular music than worship music. But they consider themselves Christian. They consider themselves sons and daughters of God. They don't tell anybody about Jesus. They don't pray at home. They don't even read the Bible. They treat everybody like trash. One of the things I was telling um, the young people was how you treat people is a reflection of your relationship with God. You can't say that you have a relationship with God and treat people like trash. It's impossible. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed um, this short um, message. And I hope uh, it inspires you to live for God, to honor your father and your mother. And if if you're a parent, I hope it inspires you to train up your child and his and her purpose and not to interfere with the plans of God for their life. Believe. You have to believe that what you've taught them is good enough to withstand the trials of the world. You can't keep interfering in your child's life. You have to understand at some point your child becomes an adult and they are subject to the consequences of their decisions. You cannot be their firefighter and always show up when there's an emergency. You, you can't be that person. You will always, 100% of the time I've seen it, people who become like that, who are always there to rescue their children, always end up raising the most immature and weak people in life. And that in turn becomes weak Christians, people who don't pray, people who run at every small thing or any small thing that may come their way because they're weak, because their parents enabled that. Don't be that kind of parent. I've seen it so many times. I sometimes wished when I was younger that my parents were a little bit more like that. However, now I've grown up (laughs) and I thank God that my parents were never like that. So I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you for listening in. I appreciate that. I want to give you an opportunity to give if you would like to bless this ministry. Um, Right now, we are getting ready to go to um, Brazil and um, Brazil in November. So what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, some outdoor meetings, some outdoor revival meetings. We're going to be praying for miracles, for healings. So if you'd like to give, you can do that on Cash App or Venmo, it's E-M-Give. It's my initials, Eduardo Menjivar. E-M-Give, or you can go to Eduardo Menjivar, E-D-U-A-R-D-O, M as in Mary, E-N-J-I-V-A-R, dot churchcenter.com, and you can give through there. I appreciate that. If you want to subscribe to any of the newsletters, you can do so as well uh, through any of those uh, websites. Just send a little message on the... um, on the little notes on Cash App or Venmo. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. Keep praying for our ministry. Um, The Lord's been good. When we go to Brazil, we're going to be going to um, some of the darkest places there. 
Um, after the pandemic, it seems that the churches are keep closing and people are leaving. And it seems that the voodoo houses keep growing. Something's wrong. So we're going to go there. We're going to be praying, fasting. We're going to be raising up a team so that when we go, darkness flees. When we go, the chains are broken and we see miracles. We see salvation and that we will see a move of God in Brazil again, just like in the years past. Um, I'm personally me. I'm quite tired of the American uh, Western church culture taking over in Latin America. That's I've seen that all over the world and it's a powerless culture. There's there's just no power. So we're going to be going over there under the power of the Holy Spirit um, to preach. So I pray. Um, I hope that you pray for me. And uh, if you feel in your heart to give, I appreciate that very much. And may God bless your finances. So let me pray for you, Father. I thank you for all that you do in our lives. And I pray for every person that's listening, that you would bless them financially if they've given, that you would bless them in their household, bless their children. Um, And I pray that you would bless every parent that's out there as well. You would give them instruction that comes from God and give them guidance and direction that comes from God so that they may train up their children in the ways of God. Father, I pray that you would give a supernatural strength and understanding to every parent out there. I love you. I praise you. And I thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening. God bless you.